Welcome to Look Behind the Look, the celebrated podcast that explores your favorite looks in film, television, and fashion history. Through conversations with the fashion world's elite and award-winning hair, makeup, and costume designers on sets around the world, you will see and hear exciting tales from behind the scenes, career origin stories, and tons of advice and tips. I'm your host, Tiffany Bartok. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bucket Hat episode. Okay, actually, it is the Bullet Train episode, but if you've seen the film, and who hasn't, you are now obsessed with Brad Pitt's look in the film. We're going to talk about it in this episode with costume designer Sarah Evelyn. Bullet Train is still in theaters. I highly recommend that you go see it if you haven't already. You probably already have, and that's why you're here. But if you haven't, I don't know what you're waiting for. It is such a good time. Go see it in the theater so it's as loud as you can possibly make it. It's such a wild ride, and you're going to love it. We're going to get into all the looks of Bad Bunny, Joey King, Brad, of course, we're going to also find out how Sarah found herself in this crazy wild world of director David Leach. So enjoy the episode. Hi, there's a gun. It's the quiet car. Got to use your small inside voice in here, son. There's a gun. Talk to me. I am ready. You are getting the new and improved me. Because if you put peace out in the world, you get peace back. I think you might be forgetting what you do for a living. Take the gun. Every job I do, somebody dies. I'm not that guy anymore. So, hi, I am talking to Sarah. Sarah, say hi to everybody from Australia. Hi, everybody. <laughs> hi, everybody from Australia. <laughs> of course, you know, I'm like, in my mind, I just think Australia. So, you're like, you're hanging out with Boz Lerman, right? Like, you guys are working on <laughs> something over there. I mean, I'm hanging out with David Leach in the mm. land of Boz Lerman. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Now, now I saw a bullet train, I'm going to say at a press screening and it was like the 5th of August. It was completely insane. It was packed and like everybody was just on the wildest ride ever. And it was so refreshing to just have a movie that you could enjoy and just laugh about. And so with like, that's exactly how it was on set, right? You guys were just having so much fun. It was so easy and exciting and fun the whole time, right? I'm sure. I mean, it was so easy and exciting and fun. <laughs> it was actually, I mean, I do actually think like it makes me happy to feel that you came away with that because I think that was an intention at the mm. time mm-hmm. when the filmmakers were mel- making um were making this film. Like actually it was early days COVID really, yeah. really early COVID. It was one of the first 2020. Yeah. That was up and running. We were wearing, it was like masks and shields and gowns. And it was like when things really were legitimately still really scary before the vaccine. Mm. And I definitely think that the filmmakers, you know, all had this intention, like, let's make something fun. And I think that that became a lot of the motivation for the film. You know, just yeah. this real sense that people needed joy and escape. And 
maybe even like a hero that looked a little bit more like vintage heroes you know like someone who uh, it's not about like him looking super hot and being super cool and being super it's more like you know a real guy just trying his best oh my god I Even love that was like pushed, you know every obviously like everything was like very heightened but mm-hmm. I do think that a lot of that was yeah at the core of the filmmaking it's funny you should say that because this was, and I hope my husband isn't the one editing this video, but this is the best Brad has ever looked. Like it was insane. I was just dead calling all my girlfriends being like, how is it getting better with age? But it just is. The The thing that I read that I love the most is that, correct me if I'm wrong, but he, he had this concept that he was like in retirement when he got the call to do this bullet train job, like not the movie, but his character. Right, and, right, right, and he right. was like fishing. And so this is where the bucket hat comes from. And so, so tell us a little bit more about the bucket hat because it's I here mean, to stay. I think, I think that like, you know, the attention almost was a bit Columbo-esque. And ah. like, even in the movie, he said, you know, he says at this one point, I'm back and better than ever. And he's clearly been doing some work on himself. Like he's gotten a yeah. therapist <laughs> and think about like Zen and Buddhism and like, you know, different kind of Eastern philosophies and ways of looking at life. And he's like, you know, trying to be peaceful, but he's this hitman. So yes, there was this idea. Maybe I had been taken out of the game maybe I had had enough of the violence. Like I didn't know how to make sense of it, you know, like, and I do think that's a very humanistic approach to a hitman that maybe we're seeing more later and like in other characters, a little bit like Barry too, like how must it actually feel to be these humans, you know? Um, Or even in such in set, well, I guess he's not a hitman necessarily, but he like someone in such danger that has such danger and violence in their life. Like, how do we as humans deal with this? You know, Um, so there was this idea that he had kind of like retired and yes, just wanted to fish, just wanted to be peaceful, just wanted to be like a real person and figure out like what was meaningful about life and that he gotten pulled back into the game, but he was back in this game, in the game with this sort of like new awareness, you know, about even his priorities. Like even when he's like, I don't want to take the gun. I don't do guns. It's like, that's, you know, that's a real decision for a guy like that to make. Time for some change. You want it simple for your first job back? Doesn't get simpler. Yes, that's really that's really that that really affected me in thinking about how in depth everything was thought through for this. So it wasn't just you know an action movie, and it would have that other level to it, which is very yeah. apparent. Yeah. So to tell us a, a little bit about his participation because I know he was super hands on, and I love how in one thing I read it said that you said in all the best ways because we know it can yeah. go <laughs> it can go yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I mean. I what well okay so for one kind of Brad came to the table being like I feel like I'd be wearing a bucket hat which I I've said it before but I was like yes you know like <laughs> that's an amazing concept and really risky and risky in movies like this and you've got to believe in it to do it and you've got to take risks and honestly it was inspiring to me mm. you know just that's awesome watching someone else take such a big risk you know, and going with his gut and then getting such a great reception about it. Um, But yeah, he was, 
I mean, I he's like, he's such an epic filmmaker. He's been right. in film for so long. He understands so deeply the lexicon of both like cinema and design. Mm -hmm. So it is a joy to have a collaborator like that. And on top of it all, he's incredibly collaborative. So, mm -hmm. you know, you feel like you're getting to almost work with like a Zen master. Oh, wow. you know, who can like, yeah. who kind of brings all of his knowledge to you and then is kind of like, okay, what can we do together? Oh my so God. That's, that's incredible. That was like, yeah, felt really grateful and lucky and, you know, formative. Like, it's amazing to have kind of like all these different teachers in film. I'd say something similar about David Leach. Like, I also feel like David Leach is a Zen Matt and, and Kelly McCormick, like, Zen masters in their own way and really great at bringing their knowledge, but also being able to hold the creatives around them in order to kind of push for the best performance and the best product in a really loving, constructive way. Like it's, mm. it's, it's like a really amazing creative environment. And was everything going at the speed of light? Because it sounds like everybody was on their A game. But it also All sounds like you guys were in a major rush. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's filmmaking. Yeah. I, at this point, I like have yet to have the filmmaking experience where it's like, I have plenty of time to develop oh, yeah. my creative concepts, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like I, I, but I try to say that it's like the pressure that makes the diamond, you know, and really mm -hmm. lean into like, often the time constraints, often the money constraints, often like the whatever constraints around filmmaking and think that it's like those pressures that are going to like really make the team. Yes. Right. Yes. You know? Yes. Or at and least that's what I tell myself in the moment. <laughs> so I'm not suicidal. <laughs> yeah. And like the cat hanging on like in that yeah. 80s. <laughs> totally totally um, exactly how did you how did you like just skill wise or trick wise how did you um maintain the continuity how did you keep track of it yourself for that one costume just talking to other mm -hmm. costume designers out there that might yeah. be listening. that I will say that's a great team and you know like these movies are made, it, it does take a team, it takes mm -hmm. a village, like I could never do it on my own. And I feel like it's a huge, like I have to make a huge shout out to my crew. I had such an incredible, incredible crew. And continuity, I can't take any credit for. I mean, that was Craig Anthony, who is um, Brad's personal, like, I have to give him all the credit for the continuity and my supervisors and my made to order team who there was actually the, the Brad's costume actually evolved as the movie went. So we thought it was going to be one thing. We thought only one layer was going to come off. But then as the movie went on, they decided that more layers came off. So it was like all of a sudden we had to manufacture more stuff. And it would be like that because they would decide on the day that more layers would come off or even like aging the shirt would be in the moment. Like Brad would literally be like, Craig, put your hand in some blood and put it right here. I mean, all the kudos to Rex, you know? That's yeah. amazing. It's about, I think it's about having a great team and giving your team enough time to do what they need to do. Right. And trusting them. Yeah. And, and let's, let's talk about Joey King's incredible costume, which she's so amazing, by the way. I have... 
I mean, I was blown away with her in the act and like have been watching her ever since. And she was so good in this. I was really surprised. Um, I was surprised that she, I, I don't know, she just pulled off something. I don't know. I can't put my finger on it, but just she seemed to be such an old soul in there. And it was yeah. incredible. I was some kind yeah. of other level that I wasn't expecting to see. Um, but let's yeah. talk about finding her suit and how to, how did that how did that come about? Yeah, Joey was really great. Also another great collaborator. And I, I know what you're saying. I mean, really, I feel like she held her own among this uh, really strong cast of really strong characters. Yes. And like, it's like she matched, she matched that with her acting job, you yes. know, what she brought to, what she brought to Prince, which was in some ways even more difficult because it's not a character you see or you expect you know so it's like um whereas it's not that unexpected that hero sonata would be like a wise father we've sort of seen that role before <laughs> what joey is is more unexpected so i feel like that right right her and she like rose to the occasion she so that we had kind of thought about early on I read the book it, that had been translated into English, um, but I read the book and in the book, the prince was a schoolgirl. So we like this mm. idea of playing on the schoolgirl uniform mm -hmm. and also like I said, like the schoolgirl uniform has a really um, interesting place in the Japanese aesthetic and in like anime, which, you know, in some ways our movie was related to like anime and pop culture mm -hmm. um so and then we wanted to take that but make it our own like we didn't want it to be a traditional Japanese schoolgirl, also because she wasn't Japanese oh, and sure. we didn't want it to be a schoolgirl, but we definitely wanted to play with the idea of what you expect from a sweet schoolgirl, and also play versus what Joey gave you okay and also play a little bit with like the pink colors like the way the tie was salmon which was like a little bit sour next to sort of the bubblegum <gasps> pink of the yes. vest it's like the maroon of the skirt oh I love that I love those details and made her whole outfit head to toe like including her shoes did you Wow. Cause I, you know, I was like, is it Chanel? I didn't know. You know, I didn't, I didn't know. That's no, it. We were very Chanel and like Mew Mew inspired. Yes. You know? Oh, fantastic. Mm -hmm. And Bad Bunny's suit. What do you, what can you tell me about Bad Bunny's suit? That was incredible. And where is it now? <laughs> I know. Okay. So Bad Bunny for one, just like can wear the shit out of clothing. As you know, <laughs> actually, the Bad Bunny suit was a real team effort because right before Bad Bunny landed for his fitting, which was like two days before he shot, oh. I got quarantined with COVID. Oh. So like the whole team had to take over and the suit had been designed and we were pretty sure we knew what we were going to do, but we didn't know what his sizes were. He needed a ton of multiples and he was like landing two day, days before. So my supervisor on this job was this epic supervisor named Jim Tyson. And honestly, he just like pulled it out. Like mm -hmm. Jim is the most amazing builder, the most amazing maker, not that he built it himself, but like he's amazing at knowing how things should be built, what fabrics they should be, how you can get it done quick. And he made that happen. And then he and my ACD Tiger um, Kron like fit Bad Bunny and killed it. Did he love it? Did he just like freak love out about the whole suit? Yeah. 
I mean, and does he have it now? Does he have one of them? No. No, 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 no one <laughs> to keep anything. No, not at all. Um, that I, feel I don't know. Like... I feel like that is honestly too safe for Bad Bunny. Like okay, he's okay. much more subversive in real life. <laughs> Amazing. What was your favorite part to come up with? Or what was your biggest challenge that you're like, I got this. And when you saw it on the screen, you were just like, yes, we nailed it. Nice. I mean, I kind of like on one hand, all of it, because when you only have one outfit, it's even harder. Right. Um, yeah. On the other hand, I would say that Bad Bunny, who we also designed head to toe, but we bought the boots. Um, I think they were Justin, I'm pretty sure. But Bad Bunny was a challenge because for one, I had to make that wolf bolo. And I was like, uh-huh. that, that in itself, was a big challenge. How do you make an amazing looking wolf bolo that's super cool and not cheesy? And in fact, at first it was a necklace. So like, oh, and it was a necklace at first on the little boy. So it's like just getting that whole process of the wolf necklace and then figure out, oh, maybe it becomes a bolo. And also we designed the belt buckle. And I just felt like the suit was so miraculous and it looked so good on him. And I loved the whole Mexican backstory like that was really yeah. fun to do place in my heart for Mexico Mexican because I lived there for like five years when I was younger and I just have such a love affair with Mexico and Mexican culture and all of that so, so that getting, was like getting to do really that. really really special and amazing to do yeah how do you guys work with the blood in the costume department like what I mean is it is it just like a big blur is it <laughs> How can you, so how do you leave it? Depends, like two, a lot of blood happens on set. Okay. So a lot of times if we're going to have a really bloody, really stunty scene, we're all there. We're all there okay. ready to be like hands on. Um, but one thing about blood is it happens to be that David Leach is like a frustrated age or dire because he loves to like bloody people and now after having worked with him a couple times I know that if we have a big bloody scene you need to have a blood bottle an aging bag and a brush for David and basically you just need to be like here do it and oh. he's very <laughs> and he squirts blood all over freaking everything and he's a total and complete artist but that's like his second calling like if directing doesn't work out he should be an age or dyer <laughs> you got a job that's amazing oh yeah. my gosh everybody's got yeah. their thing I guess this is it <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um well I feel like he's been looking at stuff for so long because sure. he's been doing stunts for long that he really does have an amazing very informed opinion how long know? did it take to shoot this I feel like it was like three months. I cannot totally remember. Oh, but I God. feel like it was. You guys must have had seven. such a good time. Yes, it was good and crazy. It's always crazy in a costume department. But like, again, I had an amazing department and it's like you're in the trenches together. And yeah, I always had the great feeling. So, so limit the supplies were probably really limited. Were store, how did you find your, how did you source things? What was like, you couldn't shop. Well, at the, we couldn't really shop much. We couldn't pull much. We made everything. Okay. I mean, so mm-hmm. 
we would do like we for a lot of the fittings we do a little shop and get samples in uh -huh. or we do a little pulling and get samples in. but it was when people like weren't doing returns in the same way you a lot of stores were closed they were closing early so we kind of decided mm -hmm. early on we're going to need a lot of molts of this stuff the supply chain is broken like shopping is not what it used to be we don't know we're worried about sending our shoppers out in the stores so we decided we were going to make it uh, okay that's great. That worked out. Yeah. 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 So Sarah, tell yeah. me a little bit about you and how you came. Just give me your like origin story and how you came to this career. Yeah. Well, I think I might've been born a costumer. Like when okay. I was four, before I went to nursery school, I would wake up super early and try on like 20 different outfits and they would always be very avant-garde. I was very into oh. bonnets. So I oh. it like started there. <laughs> and then when I was, you know, I think early on, I became like a little anthropologist mm -hmm. and really felt like you could read the world with clothing. Mm -hmm. You know, you could tell mm -hmm. a lot about yeah. a person by what they wore and how mm. they wore it. Um, and I think I developed my own really specific clothing taste for whatever reason. It just kind of became my art form. And um, like in college, I kind of studied history, but in a very anthropological way. Mm. And my senior thesis was about like um, weaving in, in uh, pre-Columbian Mexico. So like, I don't know, I've always been really interested in textiles. Then I got into art conservation. Then I did that for a while. Then blah, 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 blah happened. And finally, honestly, I was sitting down with like a mentor of mine and I was kind of saying like, what's my next step going to be? I've always wanted to be a costume designer, but I never could. And she was mm -hmm. like, well, why? Why not? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. No reason. So got into it. Yeah. That's really interesting. I noticed that, and I'm not bullshitting you about your work, that it is super, a lot of texture and different yeah. types of materials. And I can, I see that. That's really fascinating. Yeah. How cool. Yeah. So where yeah. did you, was that before Mexico or after Mexico? Were you interested in Mexico that first and both. then you went to live there? A little bit, a little bit. So I, let me see, I went to live in Mexico actually, like for the, in the seven years, like I graduated college, mm -hmm. I went back to Chicago and I lived in Mexico for five years. And then I ended up like marrying a Mexican man. So there was like more back and forth, um, who I'm not married to anymore, Okay, but still, <laughs> he, he, um, so there was more back and forth and grad school was while we were together. So I started grad school for art conservation while we were together. And where, um, where'd you go to grad school? I went to grad, I didn't graduate, but I went to graduate a grad school at University of Delaware at Winterthur. Okay. They have like an art conservation program. Wow. And I didn't like, I just got to the point where I was like, wait, I'm going to end up being in a museum in Ohio. Like I, that's not what I want to do. Yeah. You know, right. um, like I wanted to be more creating than conserving, I think. Okay. Okay. But you have, yeah. what a great base, you know what I mean? To... It is like material science background. It mm -hmm. is a really good background. And I got to see 
I got to see a lot. I got to see a lot of fabrics, a lot of textures, a lot of art, a lot of the way like materials worked. Yeah. And I got to like one of my favorite things when I kind of realized shit I want to be making. Sorry. <laughs> when I realized darn, I want to be making, I don't want to be just conserving is I did like I was interested in, in upholstery com- conservation, like furniture conservation. Mm-hmm. So I went summer and I worked in an old school, like upholstery workshop in New York city, where you still had to like tie down the springs by hand. Okay. I kind of was like, <laughs> I love this. And wow. this is like, I, I think I need to be like really hands-on. Ah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then what that yeah. brought you to movies? How, by what way? It's such a good question. I don't know. I've always like, I feel like I've always been a storyteller. I've Mm. always been interested in that. And then I sort of had my thing where I was at a bit of a turning point. I was like, I've always wanted to be a costume designer, but I never could. And then I sort of was like, maybe I can. And I started interning in film and commercials and just got into TV and then met David and Kelly and got into film. Wow. Was that yeah. East Coast or West Coast? West Coast. West Coast. Okay. West Coast. I was on the East Coast and then I moved West Coast. Wow. Yeah. So this is just literally a match made in heaven. This is just meant to be. That. Oh, I hope so. I, hope I think so. you guys have a lot more amazing things to put on the screen. Sounds like. Yeah. Are you working together right now on something? Yes. Mm-hmm. We're working money. on David's next project. Okay, that's so exciting! Yay! Can is it yeah. in a period or? Um, it's contemporary, but I okay. think that we definitely are looking back to a specific period. Oh, this so that will, sounds very exciting. It's not period, but like for me, that will sort of inform some of the silhouettes. Ah, oh, this sounds good. Okay, I can't wait to see what this shapes up to be. Oh, Sarah. Well, I will let you get back to work. I know it is bright and early there and your day just started. So so I, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about all this amazing stuff and everybody go out if you haven't already and see Bullet Train. It is so much fun. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time and preparing and for everything. My pleasure. I love talking to you. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you had a great time. Next week, I'm going to have a real treat for you. I'm going to be talking with Rayanne Silva. She is the founder of The Beauty Blender. Yes, that magical pink cloud of deliciousness that's in your makeup kit that makes life so much better. She's going to tell us how she does it all. You're going to want to make sure you're subscribed so you know the second that that episode is available. If you like what you heard today and you like what you've been hearing, please let your friends know and tell them where to find look behind the look subs and reviews keep this train going i appreciate them all and i will see you next time look behind the look is a vinyl foot production written by me your host tiffany bartok produced by jace bartok edited by nicole tucker if you're interested in learning more find our video version on the youtube channel look behind the look podcast there you can see rare photos and clips from our guests And please follow us on Twitter at LookBehindPod and Instagram at LookBehindTheLook. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. And tell your friends and spread the word. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or any podcatcher of your choice. Thanks for listening to Look Behind the Look.